This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, hockey fans? This is Ben Goats, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, coming at you on a Wednesday, uh, joined, of course, by my colleague, Dave Shane. We have a lot to talk about today. Because Marc-Andre Fleury, Tuesday against the Toronto Maple Leafs, decided to break the internet. Uh, Fleury had just one of the most ridiculous saves that you will ever see. Certainly was the most ridiculous save I ever saw. So I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, Before I do, I do want to remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. And we're presented by Untuck It today. And remember to check back to ReviewJournal.com for all your Golden Knights coverage you can read. Uh, Dave and I stories about this spectacular flurry save we're about to get into. Uh, we try to come at you every Wednesday with the podcast, but also the written content helps make this possible. So Dave, what did you think of Marc-Andre Fleury last night? And the fact that he basically saved the night's bacon in a four, two win against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sick. Like, wasn't it like just, it was one of those moments that, you know, when it happens, like, Whoa, that's bigger than, you know, just any other save. Like that was right away. Everybody, I think everybody in the building knew that was something different. That was, that was a moment, you know, you're kind of lucky, I guess, when you get to see those, they don't happen very often. Um, he tends to, I guess, have a few more of those than, than most goalies. But I, I think at least for me, even though I realize, like, you know, this is a pretty good save, you kind of sleep on it and digest it a little bit. And you think about the next morning and you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. You know, I mean, I happen to think the one on Shifley in the Western conference final was a better save just because I think it was harder. Also in the playoffs. Right. And, and like without whatever, obviously I'm not a goalie guy, but he was like totally wrong footed, completely out of position and somehow like got his foot down, was able to push off and still dive. Last night, I think, was more of the recognizing where the puck was, you know, and recognizing that it, like, made a weird bounce and that it was on P10's stick and coming at him and just reacting and diving, you know? Like, that's just instinct. That's just... That's just Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy in the playground who dives in the pile of leaves, you know? He's just always getting dirty. He's, like... He probably, if, I don't think they played a lot of basketball out there, but if he did, he was like the guy up in your grill, like always wanting to stop you, you know, like that's just how he's wired. 
He just wants to flop around and do all that stuff. That's what he loves about being a goalie. Yeah, he's certainly a different dude and, of course, a different breed of goaltender. So to set the say, just set the scene a little bit for people who weren't watching last night or have not had their Twitter timelines just taken over by this play. Like certainly mine has uh, it's a three, two game in the third period. Knights are trying to protect a lead Maple Leafs winger, uh, Ilya Mikheyev shot from the top of the left circle and hit the crossbar and Marc-Andre Fleury at first does not know where the puck went. He kind of looks behind him. He wonders it's like squirted out behind him where they bounce off the crossbar and behind him. And in that split second, it bounces, uh, as you mentioned, to Maple Leaf center Nick Patan, who then just flung it backhand on net. And he probably didn't get all of it, but he got a good amount of it for a backhand shot. So Fleury, from the top of his crease, all of a sudden realizes, oh, there's a wide open empty net behind me and a puck coming at it. So he leaps backwards picks the puck out of the air with his glove. Like he's young Ken Griffey jr. Just patrolling center field and makes the grab keeps the Knights ahead and they go on to win four, two later tacking on an empty net goal. Uh, it's certainly the best se- save I've ever seen live uh, Flurry's agent, Alan Walsh, who was just slightly biased in all of this did call it the save of the century on Twitter. I was surprised to hear golden Knights coach, Jar Glant, I guess, kind of disagrees with your assessment. He thought it was Flurry's best save of the night. He thought it was the best save he's ever seen, which coming from a guy who has been around the NHL a long, long time, both as a player and a coach was certainly uh, striking for me to hear. Did that also just hit you in a really weird way? I was surprised that he was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess. So just right. You know, like he, he like right away. He, there was no hesitation with with that answer like he didn't really even have to think about it i don't know if that's just kind of recency bias with you know with jar glant or whatever but uh, i mean i think he was kind of like me where you know you let it marinate for eight to ten hours and then you watch it again a few times and and you see the way everybody's kind of reacting to it you know and you, you gain a different appreciation for it um i mean i think of i mean i got down the flurry wormhole like this morning and last night, like looking up all his, you know, greatest saves ever and stuff. Like there's a couple that are just ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. He makes one on a shootout against Daniel Alfredson where he goes to like poke check and then does this like barrel roll and, and like ends up with his glove against a post, but he does this all on purpose. Like it's an actual technique. It's like the same thing that Hashik used to do. And he ends up like rolling and making this glove save. It's unreal. There's a couple other ones. Like he's got one on Ovi. Um, there's one on Jason Blake for Toronto, actually, where this is the best part. So Jason Blake shoots a backhand, Flurry makes a glove save, and the spotlight comes on like Jason Blake. Like they thought it was in. As soon as it was on, on his stick, they thought it was in. So somebody pointed this out on Twitter last night. And I didn't notice it right away, but if you look at some of the gifts, like the highlights from the broadcast last night, whoever was in the truck manning the little score box at the top, they thought it was in because it went to 3-3. And then they actually tried to re, like undo it really quick, and it went to 4-3. And then they had to flip it back over and put the, the score correct back down to 3-2. But everybody thought it was in. Everybody thought that that shot was in last night. So, I, I mean, it's fun to debate, though, right? Oh, like absolutely. There's, there's the Giroux one um, from last year 
on the breakaway where he kind of like traps it with his glove. Um, there was another one in that game actually that he makes at the end, which was very reminiscent of his save in the 2009 final in the game seven, where he kind of flops like a kind of like a dolphin, almost like a water pole goalie. And it makes a save. Like, I mean, there's a, I'm going to actually write about this. So it'll be fun for readers to, uh, you know, to check all, all this stuff out, but like, he's got a handful of, of these saves just in his two plus years with the Knights. Yeah. He's a ridiculously athletic and flexible goaltender that you just don't see a lot of. And that 2009 save was actually the one that he pointed out quickly after the game of like, no, 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 that's my best save of Nick Lidstrom. Of course, shoots with about a second and a half remaining in game seven of the 2009 Stanley cup final. So that's a hall of fame defenseman trying to tie it up for the Detroit Red Wings against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And yeah, flurry kind of dolphin flops over the net makes the save penguins win the Stanley cup. That's flurry and Sidney Crosby's first of three Stanley cups together. And so, I mean, even flurry was keen to point out like, yeah, when you win a cup with the save, sorry, yeah. that's number one. That's going to be hard to top. I mean, I'm sure. And, and I mean, the scary thing is like, you know, he's going to do something else, you know, like, you know, like that's the, the weird thing for me last night was, was in my head. I didn't want to overstate, what this, what, what it was, because I know he's done this a handful of times. So to sit there and like, for me to call it like the save of the century and nothing against Alan Walsh, but he's, like, he's just sticking up for his guy. I don't know that it's a save of the century, you know, is it unreal? Yeah. But I, I guess what, what I would say is that there's a lot of these goalies that are really good that make some unbelievable saves. Marc-Andre Fleury happens to make more than most, but I just think it speaks to the athleticism of the goalies and stuff. Um, I, I mean, I actually, I had a conversation with Flurry a few days ago and one of the things I brought up was, you know, kind of his style and longevity. And, you know, I remember guys like Kirk McLean and Flurry kind of laughed. He's like, he never moved. And I was like, yeah, he, like Kirk McLean used to just come way out, play an angle and just stand there, let the puck hit him. Like he could have played till he was 50 because he was never moving. He was never doing anything like Flurry does. It's just so different. It's a completely different style. And there's so many guys like that now. It's just so fun to watch. Because the cool thing is, yeah, like this is great. And yeah, it blew up the internet. But there's going to be somebody that's going to do it in a week or two weeks or a month. You know, it might be Flurry again. But that's what makes this all so cool is it, these guys make just unbelievable stuff. They're, they're so athletic. They're so flexible. They read the play so well. You know, we're bound to see something else. This one happened to be, you know, I guess somewhat unique just because of the dive. Um, I know Malcolm Subban, when I talked to him about it, he said it, the thing that separates it is the the being able to catch it and dive. The, the Griffey, kind of like you pointed out, that that to him was what really, really kind of made it special. But it's kind of funny because Subban actually brought up a completely different save when I asked him, like, what's your favorite one? He brought up one from 2018 against the Sharks when Flurry came way out and like made a glove save on Couture, but did like a big old windmill with it too. Um, I think he milked that one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But but I know Superman said like he he's he's like he's got the best windmill of all time. Um, so I mean it's pretty awesome. But I think just like I said, the fun part of all this is that as great as this one is. We're probably going to talk about another one at some point with Flurry, just because, you know, that's just what he does. Yeah, and he's certainly 
doesn't seem to be slowing down with these saves even as he kind of gets up there i mean he's 34 years old he's not done but he's certainly you know getting toward the back half of his career and is still producing these highlight real saves uh he's also producing just career highlights for himself kind of lost in all that shuffle over the save last night was the fact that that was his 450th win last night against the toronto maple leafs and only six other goaltenders have ever had that many wins Flurry is seventh all time now. He's three away from Henrik Lundqvist, who was, of course, still playing with the New York Rangers. He's four behind Curtis Joseph, which would then, if he passes both of those guys, get him into the top five. Uh, and the Knights really needed it from him last night. Uh, they had a lot of good chances. The Maple Leafs did in the third period of a close game, and Flurry just kept him in it and kept him in it. And that's coming off of a shutout against the Calgary Flames on Sunday. And so that's two straight really good performances from Marc-Andre Fleury. He's lowered his season goals against average to 2.49, which is slightly below his career average, uh, which is good for him. And so I think a lot of these those things are going to help this save live for a really long time, that it was his 450th win. It was such a key moment against a marquee franchise like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and we can now bring this up now. It's going to be remembered as the save that ended Mike Babcock's tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs because the coach got fired today, a day after the Golden Knights loss. Now, a lot of people saw that Babcock was on the hot seat coming into that game. It's no surprise that he was still in the hot seat coming out of that game, but it's impossible, I think, not to draw the connection between, oh, that shot would have tied the game had Flurry not done something crazy. And now, because they lost, Mike Babcock is out of a job. There was a great tweet. I'm going to give him credit. Pete Blackburn. He said, Marc-Andre Fleury has been suspended three games for spitting on Mike Babcock's grave, which I just think is hysterical. That is incredible. Um, I mean, yeah, it's crazy to think if that goes in and, you know, maybe the the Maple Leafs. I mean, I know this isn't a Maple Leafs blog, but or podcast, sorry. I mean, I actually thought they played pretty well. I did too. I just think they got some issues up there that, that were evident because they weren't good enough in that game. Like I thought pretty much got the goaltending that they would want. Um, they were right there. Flurry just outdueled them for the most part. And I think the biggest thing that I noticed the last couple of games with Flurry, and this is, he can't wear an A or a C or anything like that as a goalie, but where his leadership shows up is I think, especially that Calgary game, there was a, I'm gritting my teeth. I'm going to, say a dirty word, you know, whatever. I'm not letting this go any, any further, this five game thing. Like this is stopping right. You know what now? Right. It's like the ACE mentality of a starting pitcher in baseball of like, yeah, I'm taking this on my shoulders. We're not effing losing this game. And you saw that because he made it the incredible backdoor stop on Mark Giordano, the reigning Norris trophy winner where to have the vision to see, oh yeah, I see this guy in my peripheral vision coming out on the other side and then to have the athleticism to then react to what you're seeing and get over there to make the stop uh, was certainly impressive. Uh, we could go on and on mm-hmm. about Marc-Andre Fleury, but we'll move on. No, we're not to, gonna, no. <laughs> can't keep going. Can't keep going. We'll move on to some other Golden Knights topics uh, after a brief message. Hey everyone, the holidays are almost here, and you know what that means? Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? 
Unlike most brands, Untucket shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucket shirts always fall that just right length, no matter his size. So you can look casual and sharp. So I'm 6'5", so it's really hard for people to buy good gifts that are also going to fit me. Now with Untucket, you can find really stylish shirts that are going to fit just right, no matter the guy in your life. And at least according to my girlfriend, uh, they look pretty good. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or are just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. So as I said before, we should probably talk about a few non-flurry things that are going on with the Golden Knights right All now. Right, I guess. I guess uh, these are slightly less fun, but they also in the past week have jumbled their lines. And after I think some growing pains, it seems to be working. Uh, their second line, which started out pretty slow, the new look one with Jonathan Marsh. So Cody, Eakin and Mark stone has played a good last couple games. And then all of a sudden the third line, which we've talked about is just kind of an issue all season uh, now has Alex Tuck, Paul Stasny and Cody glass. And I thought that looked very competent last night. Dave, what are you kind of seeing with the changes and what they might be doing to the Golden Knights lineup? I mean, I think it's giving them more depth. Everything's a little more spread out now, it feels like. You know, whereas before they were like a clear top six, bottom six. Now it feels a little bit more like there's like a top nine, you know, and then you've got, I don't want to say like, I guess the so-called fourth line, you know, but it, it they just feel deeper. I know even... You know, some of the people, you know, replying to things, tweets, uh, you know, with like the Golden Knights lineup were kind of like, wow, it's deep. And, you know, that first or, you know, that third line looks like a first line. And, you know, obviously these are Maple Leafs fans that, you know, going into the game last night, I think wanted their team to uh, fire its coach and and do all those sorts of things. So, you know, it's a little bit of a not not the best crowdsourcing, I guess, maybe uh, in that regard. But but yeah, it just feels it feels like everything is a little bit deeper now. It feels like they have more of a threat down there, especially it's weird. Just talk what, what one guy can do, what one guy can like make a difference kind of throughout a lineup. It's not really that it like moves anybody necessarily, but it, it just kind of, he adds so much to that line, any line that he's on, he can drive play so much. He can drive offense because of his speed, because of the way he forechecks, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got somebody like Cody glass who, you know, is such a playmaker and he's always looking for, you know, for that open pass and things like that. It just, it's the, it just seems like the right chemistry they have right now. And then I'll point out this too is, I mean, if you're going to really look at it in terms of, you know, technically, literally, whatever, it's Paul Stassi got demoted to the third line. And I don't think you would see that in his attitude or his play or anything like that. He's not acting or, or responding like, you know, sulking about being a third line guy right now. I don't think he sees it like that. I don't think, I mean, I'd have to check the ice time and how they're being deployed and, and what have you. But, you know, it's all the things that we kind of talked about last year, even at the start of the year, you know, how do you kind of move around glass and Stasi and what, you know, what would, what, where, where is Paul Stasi going to, going to be comfortable and where will he buy in? And he's going to buy in pretty much wherever you put him, where I don't know that everybody else, you know, not necessarily on this team, but there's definitely guys around the league you know, you ask to do a certain role, do certain things, move from a second line to a third line, and you're not going to get the same reaction uh, 
you know, that the Golden Knights have have gotten out of Paul Stasny. Right. I mean, he's been totally professional about it. And I think that's probably one of the reasons they signed him two years ago. I mean, I was at an event, obviously, Monday, where Paul Stasny and Max Pacioretty were out in the community trying to do some good things. And so I think Stasny just gives you that mature veteran presence that, I mean, a lot of times just winning teams need. A, they need guys that are going to put kind of the team above self. And he's certainly that guy. Now, like you pointed out, Alex Tuck, I think makes everything easier because most guys that also get demoted to the third line don't get to play with a number six overall pick and a former first round pick who seems to be playing with his hair on fire right now because Alex Tuck, I think, is playing like a guy who missed a lot of games earlier in the season and is trying to make up for a lost time. So he's trying to play, you know, three nights worth of games in one game and just kind of leaving it all out there, it seems, every shift. And I mean, to some extent, that's kind of what you want from him. You know, especially on that line, like he's got to be, you know, the F1, the four checker, the guy in there kind of creating havoc and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I just want to go back real quick because like, I mean, you know, I said all that stuff about a demotion and I don't, I mean, maybe I'm, I, I think I'm maybe misrepresenting that a little bit because I, I, I kind of go with where I think Jar Glantz on this is that, like I said, I don't think he sees it as like, oh, you're going from the second line to the third line. I think he just sees it as, you're just all in my top nine and you're all going into the blender. I got some bananas at the bottom or we'll, we'll clean it out or whatever, you know? And then these are the lines that he kind of came out with. I it's so, so yeah, I mean, like I said, if you literally look at it, I guess it's demotion, but maybe I was incorrect in really even bringing that up because again, I, I think that's where they've looked good. The last few games is that whatever line is going well, Jar Glenn can can go with that. And if that means the, I guess, quote unquote, third line is humming, then he's going to give them more ice time. That's that's the flexibility that he has now, or probably he didn't have before when the third line was kind of, you know, struggling with Peary and Zekoff and, you know, guys like that, which I guess maybe now we have to uh, throw Zekoff into the mix here, huh? Since we saw him come back to practice. Yeah, let's talk about that little upset that we saw yesterday. Uh, Valentin Zekov was like the second Golden Knights player on the ice for their morning skate on Tuesday. He, of course, was suspended 20 games for violating the NHL and NHLPA's substance uh, of abuse program, I believe. Same thing that Nate Schmidt basically got popped for beginning of the last season, except the Golden Knights uh, at the time of the suspension handled them very differently, where they basically supported Schmidt, back Schmidt, said, we believe that Schmidt is innocent. And with Zikov, they said, here's a bus. Would you please kindly crawl under it? Because you told us, according to George McPhee, that you've been taking supplements for four years that we did not approve of. So, yeah, we support the fact that you're going to be gone for 20 games. Now, per rules, he's allowed to practice 10 days before he's eligible to come back, which was yesterday, Tuesday, as we're recording this on Wednesday. But I was still relatively surprised that... They just haven't outright cut him, waved him. The fact that he actually got to get his nameplate back in the City National Arena locker room, got to wear a Golden Knight sweater again. Yeah. Were you surprised as well, Dave? Yeah, I was. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I think last time we talked about him, I made the uh, comparison to him trashing my friend's ex-girlfriend who got back together with her. What are your best analogies? But, uh, you know, we haven't had to uh, make up yet since... Valentin Zikov has not been available to the media yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, simply, yes, very surprised. 
only because of what you laid out, the difference, the way that they, the way that they viewed that suspension versus the way that they viewed the Nate Schmidt, Schmidt suspension. And then even to Jared Gallant's point, I mean, he even kind of made a, a comment of like, well, one of them was a star player and the other one's kind of fighting for ice time. Yeah. Regardless of the situation, they're also a different caliber of player, which, uh, you know, certainly we've said, but yeah, Jared Glant really laid it out there of like, yeah, he's not just going to jump back into our lineup. Right. No, I guess the flip side to all of this is they sent Perry down through waivers. They're at what? 20, 21. They're at 21. Cause yeah, they only have right. one. Only Holden scratch, was a scratch Holden. last night. So, I mean, there's room for him, I guess, if you're going to like... And he's cheaper than Brandon Peary, technically. If you're going to give him a second chance, which I don't know if that that would necessarily be a second chance, considering he's been on waivers a few times, and that's a pretty egregious uh, violation, I guess, if he's taking a substance for four years and, you know, ends up getting popped for it. I, I mean, I've, you know, made my opinion on his game, pretty clear that I don't like it just in terms of the fit on the ice and things. So I I would be surprised, but I mean, I guess what I would bring up with all this is as I said to you guys, like he better not shoot a puck below or, or above anybody's knees. He better not come anywhere close to a goalie. And we saw him practice today. Bump Braden McNabb. Yeah. He had a near collision and whatever. And I'll tell you what, there was a weird vibe right after that where he looked kind of like apologetic and some of the other guys were looking like, you know, whatever, dude, you know, like just don't, don't kill anybody while you're out here. It's just a weird, it's a weird vibe. It's a weird situation because when Nate Schmidt came back, it was open arms and he was hooting and hollering. And I remember like he talked about, he had sent a text to guys like I am coming back and it's going to be loud and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be Nate Schmidt. And it is just so different with 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 this guy, with, with Zekoff right now. I just, I mean, nobody in the locker room was like, yeah, we were glad to have him back. And, you know, he made a mistake, but we're going to, you know, we're going to welcome him. Like, it just never felt that that vibe, that that way. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. Maybe it was different for you, but. No, I didn't pick up on any sort of vibes like that either. And you understand why those vibes uh, wouldn't be there, because what, has he really done for this team? Yeah. Not a whole lot. He has two assists in seven games this season. He played the first seven games because Alex Tuck was hurt and Cody Glass was playing center early on in the year. But now those wing spots are kind of spoken for. So he's probably not really getting a second chance, I would think, barring injury. And so I think with the point I made at the time when he got sent in, I would still make now of like, what are you hoping to get out of this guy? Like I said, he's, he a slightly cheaper brand imperial replacement. Is it worth it for your organization to replace, you know, your depth winger at a slightly lower cost in the exchange of having a second guy who was popped for a PEDs on your roster? I'm not sure that it is. I'm not sure that would be a great look for the golden Knights organization to keep, like I said, you know, two guys around there because you can obviously defend Nate Schmidt and we don't know what Nate Schmidt tested positive for. We know that Nate Schmidt was very vehemently opposed to his suspension that now he's trying to rework in the next uh, CBA. Whenever they kind of figure that out, he wants to change the testing policies and that's all well and good. But when it happens twice and you're still allowing a guy who you weren't even defending 
back on your team. That's where I think it's fair to raise questions about what are you allowing in the organization? Yeah. The image, just the image hit to me. Like, I don't see how you can withstand that, you know? I mean, I guess if you're going to use Gerard Glenn's analogy, like if this is a star player, this is somebody that was scoring goals and whatever that, you know, Hey, you know, you have to, I guess, figure out is the juice juice worth the squeeze, you know, okay. Then that's one thing, but this guy's like a bottom six dude. And, you know, like to me, just, just to me, if I'm in that front office and I'm having a conversation about all the stuff that we're kind of talking about, cause I'm sure they've had, you know, much greater, more detailed conversations of, you know, let's explore every avenue of this. If we bring him back, if we don't, whatever, I mean, I'm sure just the, the perception, the image aspect of it had to have been discussed. They have to understand that they have to understand that, you know, there's been what seven guys or whatever, or seven incidents of- since the new CBA got approved. Seven guys, eight incidents, I believe, and the Golden Knights have obviously. And you're, two yeah, of I was them. gonna say you're gonna trot out a lineup with two of them like active in the same line. I, that to me, that's just I don't, I don't see how you can do that. You know, I mean, that's like I don't want to like slander anybody, but I mean, that's like the Yankees with with you know dudes after the. Mitchell report and whatever. It's, I, I just, it's a bad look. It's a terrible look, right? You just, I don't see how you can go through that. Yeah. So we'll see if they do choose to go through that. Of course, Zikov is only practicing right now. He's not played in a game for the team. Who's to say when he's actually eligible to play, they won't just waive him then. And maybe the NHL players association is kind of protecting his rights to practice and be available around the team. There's still a lot that's going to, I'm sure get unpacked in the next now nine days uh, until he is eligible to return a uh, quick thing on Schmidt. Speaking of him as he actually looks like his old self again, he's got five assists in his last two games. So that's certainly also a welcome sign for the Knights and the Knights have a fun stretch coming up because they play the rival San Jose sharks next on Thursday as part of hockey fights, cancer night. So that's also going to be uh, a special night for Shea Theodore as he termed it. Of course, because of his testicular cancer diagnosis and subsequent treatment this summer. And then let's play the division-leading Edmonton Oilers on Saturday in what should also be a really fun game. Good chance for the Knights to prove that these improvements are for real. Well, that's going to do it from this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. I remember to check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Check back in with us uh, with the Golden Edge podcast every Wednesday. We, of course, are sponsored by SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos and presented by Untuck It. I'm Ben Goats. He is Dave Shane. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.